Hi, it's Alex. And Eddie. Gary. And Michael. We are Van Halen. We finally have a team together that sees eye to eye about working and, you know, there's no no attitudes anymore. If I had the opportunity to be friends with Eddie again, I'd take it a second because you're right. The ending was hurtful. I can see it again. It, it was flashes over you, dude. It was friggin' hurtful. Yeah, Nobody I likes that. The most surprising? Yeah. But things aren't being thrown at me. Well, with Gary, he was, he was about the third, fourth person that we were making music with. And um, the object wasn't wasn't to find out if we could find somebody who could sing because we um, we knew Gary could sing. Right. We just wanted to know if we could get along. But as far as the VH3 thing, if I was to do it all over again, I would have rather jumping on, joining the band, doing a tour, and then doing a record. Mm -hmm. Because it seemed like uh, uh, I had a target on my target on my head the minute I got in there. Everybody knows the story. Dave's gone, Sam's gone. Now, it comes time for you to find a new singer. I mean, I would imagine that you would just get inundated with stuff. And I mean, well, is it just through relationships with him or some of the other people uh, you know? Actually, Ray or? Daniels, who, ma who managed the stream. And I think it was Eddie Eddie's coming out party. He he did some he did some stuff. And I came in, I really didn't know if I was gonna be in the band from the next day, you know, because there was there was turmoil going around. There was always the the Roth thing hovering around. So Listening to the Cobras and Fire Podcast, part of the Decibel Geek Podcast Network. This week, we break down the redheaded stepchild of the Van Halen catalog, 1998's Van Halen 3. I'm your host, Luz Cannon, and I am joined, as always, with the Trace Bucko. Hey, Watto, how you doing there, Luz Cannon? Yay! Hey! Oh, uh, wow. It's, it's, racist right. enough yet? Uh, this is uh, I think that's pretty good. Yeah, that's yeah. pretty Yeah, All right. We, hey, uh, I, mean, I, mean, I mean, could you put three amigos out today? <laughs> you know, I actually think you could. I think you, I, I, do. <laughs> I think so, too. Yeah, because yeah. I, I think in that scenario, they don't look good. That's fine. All right. So let's. Uh, what are we talking about today? Uh, well, uh, we're going to talk about, uh, of course, uh, what you're wearing. Oh wait, that was last year. We're going to talk Van Halen three bitches. Wow. I don't think anybody's ever done a podcast about this album ever. <laughs> yeah. I, well, I think other than Rick Rubin, Rick Rubin yes. is doing his own podcast now. I'm pretty sure his first one was all about Van Halen three. <laughs> he wasn't the producer, was he? No, he wasn't. No, he's just got his own podcast. Oh, okay, great. I can't he just loves the that. fucking record, man. He just wishes he was. 
So is Rick Rubin's podcast is Rick Rubin's podcast just just listening to him snore on a couch? He talks about blood sugar sex magic track by track every episode. So that guy makes five hundred thousand dollars every time he takes a nap. Yeah, probably. Yeah, <laughs> that's his... he's the only he's the only producer making eighties and nineties money still. I mean, I care, I would love to see the difference in what producers get paid now. Like. Uh, that were just banking in the eighties. Bob Rock I mean? almost verified what you're saying, talking about producing Black Veil Brides, our favorite band. <laughs> I, I guarantee he's paid like a a one hundredth of what he used to be. Yeah, the fact that he's still working uh, shows he didn't manage his money very well. No, oh exactly. my god, uh, the, the fact that he's working with that band. All right, well, let's get back to Van Halen and the album Van Halen Three that came out in nineteen. 19- 1998. Baco, please take it. Yeah, for those uh, not familiar with the record, it was after Sammy left the band, whether he was fired or quit, uh, you can... Debatable. Debatable. This one features on lead vocals Extreme singer Gary Sharon. At the time, I suppose, I think Extreme was just on a hiatus. I'm not really sure how that all worked out. Um, but yeah, Gary just just nudged past uh, the, the, the teeth, uh, Mitch Malloy. <laughs> Uh, to, right. to get the Uh But uh, I actually thought it was kind of a natural fit uh, because Extreme is basically kind of a Van Halen clone. They have their own sound and stuff. Sure. But uh, it turns out it was uh, less of uh, a coincidence. But we'll get into that. There was. You, you want me to get a little a, a bit of the backstory on this first? Or there was, yeah, there was yeah. a lot of stuff that kind of led up to this. I mean, because it was the end of the Sammy Hagar era. You, Summarize your thoughts on the whole Hagar era of Van Halen in general. It's Hagar. 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 Sammy Hagar Sammy the Hager. Horrible. <sighs> David LaRoth. All right. So, uh, yeah, my summary is, you know, I one of my first um, albums I got was, was OU812 back in uh, 88. And um, I wasn't that big of a – it was kind of a grower. Like, was that on vinyl? It was, yes. It actually was. So I got I had you know fifty one fifty OU812 are the two albums I really like by them and not that big of a hand. Oh, uh, lot, lot, you, lot of you people. Exactly ridiculous, but you know, uh, fuck I thought was okay and re- I, actually I liked it a lot at the time. I went back and there's only a handful of songs or I think that's actually really weak and the people like to go to that one a lot because Ted Templeton is on there. Balance. They pretty much fell off for me there. There's maybe, I think that is just a bloated piece of shit. Three or four instrumentals. It's very uh, masturbatory. And uh, needless to say, I kind of fell off the, the train. There's a couple great songs on there. but So my point is, when I heard that Gary Sharon was going to be part of Van Halen, I actually thought it was a really great idea. I mean, I'd love pornography. I thought I loved pornography. Uh, pornography. Let's call the whole thing off. Okay. So, you know, it, it seemed like a good fit. You know, I, I always hear this, and we'll go into our thoughts about the record and everything like that, but I guess, and I'll throw it back to you too, um, I don't get the initial, like, hate or the the whole thing of Sharon was never, ever going to be a fit for this band, both vocally and uh, his persona or things like that. What, what, what are your thoughts on kind of that to begin with? I'm with you. I thought it was the perfect guy. I mean, it was, uh, uh, I mean, if it can once Mitch Malloy was out of the picture, I'm like, well, it's got to be Sharon. <laughs> uh, <laughs> that was my thoughts in 1988 when I had no idea who the teeth was. But but, but you thought that, that a perfect transition would be the Great Whites. Yo, weren't you that guy in Van Halen? I get asked that a lot. Yes, yes. yes. I'm like, yeah. 
<laughs> Perfect. Uh, but no, I actually I, I thought it made sense. You know, I, I did. I would not have put it together myself. But uh, w- when you think about it, I mean, because like I said, Extreme is very much a type of Van Halen. I wouldn't call them a clone. They're their own sound no. and thing that way. But definitely, you got that that high flying guitar player with his own sound, whose rhythms are almost you know like these extensions of leads. You know, a very a similar you know approach to playing. Let's put it that way. And I don't know. I mean, Sharon is almost like somewhere between Sammy and Dave as far as really vocal is. range. Yeah. Yeah. It, it didn't seem like a crazy idea. Yeah, it may not have worked out, and I, I understand why people might not like it, but conceptually, it you know, it shouldn't have got the backlash it did almost immediately. It seemed like, yeah, uh, at least at least from some people. I know it, it still did. Maybe, okay. maybe it's because a lot of people only knew extreme for more than words. You know, that's yeah. valid too. Yeah, or maybe a lot of people only heard Little Jack Horny. Could have been a slight against them too. <laughs> what an awful song! Well, there's a there's a lot of interesting lead up getting into this record. You know that that Sammy basically was fired over uh, a song for the Twister soundtrack, which is kind of fucking stupid when you think about. Is that what it was? I don't yeah. Get it. Well, well, Sammy's wife just had a baby, and they had just gotten done on a tour cycle, and he wanted to spend time with her. And Eddie was like. Uh, we're doing this thing and we need you here. And he's like, dude, I told you I'm doing this. And I don't know, the whole back and forth there between them two is kind of debated between them two. I, I, at the time, I kind of believed Daddy, but in, in, in as time has passed, I believe... Uh, Sammy a little more because Sammy still sounds like a sane person and Eddie has just gotten crazier as the years gone by. So And, and more reclusive except, and odd. Except uh, the uh, part in his book when he talks about being abducted from aliens. Sammy. Yes. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and the powers of the color red and uh, the magical uh, equivalent of the numbers 10 and 13. But uh, Sure. Besides that, totally sane, incredible. And then you had that whole weird VMA thing where they kind of came out um, and gave an award. I kind of a la kissed it at the uh, was it the American Music Awards or the Grammys with Tupac, um, mm-hmm. but they just kind of came out and do that thing. And it's it's clear that there is like a, a separation. It's like the level of comfort uh, discomfort between uh, the three members of the band with how Dave is acting, and Dave is acting weird as shit. Uh, and uh, I mean, there was a part where. Um, you know, uh, Michael Anthony kind of was like trying to get it back on track, and Dave comes up and. Have you noticed how things have changed a lot since the last time we were up here? Really? No, really. It used to be, I want my MTV, and now it's like, give me your MTV or I'll blow your head off, man. It's just kind of this weird thing, and you can see, like, you know, uh, even Eddie just kind of grimacing the entire time. And. They hadn't done a fucking thing at this point. This was supposed right. to be kind of like their deal, like, we're back, and Dave kills it pretty much on, on takeoff. I mean, this is the, the Challenger explosion from 86. So, And it's kind of weird because 96 is, is the year of the reunion. I mean, Kiss was back. The Eagles and Fleetwood Mac were kind of already touring him back. So with Sex Sam- Pistols. Sex Pistols. And so with Sammy out. Um, and Van Halen comes out and does this, it just makes sense, right? But it, of course, we all know how it ends. It, it implodes. Beck wins the award. <laughs> they never talk to Dave again. Did you actually see the VMA thing that I'm talking about? I don't think I did. I just saw, like, pictures in the aftermath. Okay. Um. Well, when Beck was the person who won whatever award they were giving up. And you know how... Devil's big- haircut. Yeah. Uh, the, you know how, like, the typically the people who present the award kind of step back... 
Uh, it's just classic Roth is kind of like hovering behind him like Trump was behind Hillary <laughs> at the debate. Like, like just, just going back and forth. Just standing gotcha. kind of like right behind him while he's accepting this thing. It was just, it, sure. was, it was madness. But uh, um, backstage, um, Dave is basically doing the whole, hey, you know, we're the guys, we're back, we're doing all this stuff. And then Eddie's like, we recorded three songs for a greatest hits record. <laughs> yeah, it was clear that Eddie was like, I can't wait to get back and patch up this shit with Mitch. Yo, weren't you that guy in Van Halen? I get asked that a lot. Because this ain't going nowhere. <laughs> sure. Well, a funny thing in, the, in, in my research for this is that uh, Gary Sharon talked about this time. And this is a quote from him, okay? They were putting out a greatest hits thing and doing the VMAs. I remember one morning getting up in the studio and no one told me all this press was interviewing Van Halen guys because of the VMAs and all this stuff. They told me, Gary, no one knows you're in the band. Now, that's interesting to me because that directly conflicts the story that Mitch Malloy tells in his own little personally made documentary. Yo, weren't you that guy in Van Halen? I get asked that a lot. That, that was what made him decide to quit. Uh, it sounds like they had already hired fucking Gary Sharon by the time they were doing the VMAs. In other words, I don't know where Mitch Malloy fits in the timeline anymore. It seems a little self-serving the, the way he told the story. It always felt that way to me, so I don't really know what to think about the guy other than that he's got magnificent teeth. Yo, weren't you that guy in Van Halen? I get asked that a lot. Back to the VMAs and the whole Roth thing. They were dicking around with him a little bit, and they did have some songs recorded that they ended up putting on that uh, Greatest Hits Volume 1. I never owned it, did you? I did, yeah. And, you know, that was one where, like, the first half was David Lee Roth, the second half was Sammy, and then they tagged on that Twister song, Humans Being, very clever, getting of human being, <laughs> uh, humans being. God, like a fucking, he is a genius lyricist, Sammy. And then they had the two new... Van Same Halen guy songs. that wrote Dick in the Dirt. <laughs> That's right. Uh, and, uh, and then they had the Can't Get This Stuff No More and Me Wise Magic. Do you remember either of those songs? I think I remember Me Wise Magic more than the other one. Yeah, Me Wise it, Magic was actually a single, and it was played a little bit on the radio. It's, it's okay. Right. It's, it's right. okay. That was yeah. the first time I realized how bad Dave's voice had gotten, which is why yeah. I, was so, I was so surprised with A Different Kind of Truth, how much better he sounded on that than this track. But, uh, you know, Dave's also a smoker. I don't know if he's ever quit, but that might be a, a big part of his vocal issues. Sure. But, um, yeah, that was just kind he's of He's also time. 900 years old, but... Uh. <laughs> yeah, so this kind of tease, the fact that, that it ended with two David Lee Roth songs, that it was going to happen. Yeah, right? and it came out it around the up. same time as the VMA thing happened. Right, they were promoting it, and then it just didn't. Yeah, it turned out that uh, they can't fucking stand Dave. Um, yeah. uh, I think I think that you you love David Lee Roth and his quotes, right? Yeah, I think he's. I mean, I have a lot of respect for Dave. I, I got to believe he's a piece of work to work with, though. Oh, that's what I'm saying. Like he's very entertaining, but if you I mean, to he invented podcast, a genre that people ripped off. Basically, the entire you know Sunset Strip metal scene was, you know, David LaRoth clones as far as what a front man looked like and did. Bleach blonde hair, spandex, jumping around, that kind of thing. Oh, yeah, exactly. But the, nobody talked uh, sound clips like he did. No, he and was who do you think, you, we always say who's dumber, right? Who do you think smarder, him or Steven Tyler? Oh, David LaRoth, yeah, all day long. Absolutely. Yeah. Give me a break. Thank God that, that David Lee Roth didn't decide to get a mustache. Right now, Gary Gary Sharon is listening to our podcast going, what the fuck, guys? <laughs> <laughs> I thought we were talking about me. Boozy, boozy, bop. 
city bob that's right no this, there's very little we're basically that we're going to talk about everything up to it and then the, the show is going to end and we're not going to feature anything from the album what do you say uh but no i can never see working with them because it'd be kind of that kid that that is just he's just all like hyper all the time i can see it just being very uh grating so and he's also you know kind of yeah, probably one of the bigger egos on the planet Oh, yeah, um, easily. So anyway. Somewhat deserved, so, uh, but you, you still have to work with people. Right. Okay, well, so we get back to Van Halen 3. By the way, the clever title, they picked it because it was the third recording lineup of the band. On top of that, it was the first two records were called 1 and 2. I don't know why they thought making the 10th album 3 made sense, but whatever. You know, Sammy liked the idea because they did Chicken Foot 3. <laughs> hey, he stole it from them, man. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, uh, well, Continue. Su- well, supposedly Van Halen 3 is the first Van Halen record that uh, Eddie Van Halen crafted after getting lyrics. He'd previously written basically music and handed it off to Dave or Sammy, and uh, he called the new process the biggest milestone in his life because he finally had something to bounce off of. I think uh, we'll get into this as we go, but... Uh, Swing and a miss. I thought it was the opposite. To me, it's clear that he's actually telling the truth. A different kind of truth. Because it definitely is a different approach, and he does seem a little bit more constrained on this instead of uh, Mm -hmm. someone trying to fit a melody on top of what he does. Um, But the weird thing is he just says lyrics, and I don't really get what that... I mean, they can melodically be be done different ways, and I wouldn't... I don't... It's difficult to, to to comprehend writing lyrics without melody. But so you're saying he who's just giving a booklet of, of words. That's how it's decided. written, but I don't know if that's what he's mean. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. Yeah, you, yeah. But I don't know how he would get melodies. You know what I mean? What's, what's Gary actually charting out on, like writing out the, the lyric, lyric lines as well? So anyway, whatever it is, that's how they put it together. Um, but yeah, getting back to like how it wasn't so quick. It wasn't just that Gary was in a Van Halen type band. It turns out they at the time they shared the same manager, Ray Daniels. Um, ah, so I was, see. Just kind of brought them together. Hmm, okay, so laziness. Yeah, brought them together. <laughs> Before we get into a track by track on this loose, let's talk about the album cover. One of my favorites. Uh, what are your thoughts? When I got this and listened to it in full the first time, I think this album cover is perfect because <laughs> because it has a picture of a man in a carnival, big guy getting blasted in the chest with a cannonball, and that's exactly how I felt <laughs> um, at, at the, at, as, as the last notes rang out of this album. You're talking about the legendary Frank Cannonball Richards. Uh, 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 of course, we all know as Cannonball to the Gut guy. What, was it <laughs> Why would they get that? Why would they pick that? Well, I think uh, Eddie really liked the uh, episode of The Simpsons where Homer went on uh, the Lollapalooza tour and was the guy who took a Cannonball to the gut. <laughs> I think it's called Truth and Advertising. Yeah, maybe. Who knows? Yeah. What do you think about that uh, brilliant photoshopping too? Like the art department didn't fucking put in too many hours putting that word Van Halen and three in there either, did they? Oh no! It's just it's just like again, it just looks like it was just thrown up there. It was uh, uh, again um, uh, lazy wins the race. I'm actually gonna go on record as the the, the cover's fine. Uh, I don't disagree uh, with the damn thing you said, but eh, it doesn't bother me. I, th- eh, not I think, that bad. Yeah, not that bad. That that new uh, what's that live record they just did with Dave? Uh, sorry, Gary. We're gonna talk about Dave again real quick. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, he's, he's already t- he's already checked out. He's like Jesus. They've talked for a half hour. I haven't even played one goddamn song. Oh, the word art 
album cover they did for that live record they just released. Oh, that was that was the worst album cover in their career, I think. But uh, all right. Any fun. other thoughts on the cover? Um. Yeah, that that's it. Just just that it uh, the the face the man is making when he's in hit by the cannonball is exactly the face I made as well. It's just it's it, it is. He looks what oddly it is. calm. I'm looking at it right now. <laughs> like he's just about to order breakfast. Yeah, he's like yeah, he is. He's like they just said it's food down. He's like uh, I ordered ham. Yeah, he's getting blasted with a cannonball. Poured a little liquor for Frank Cannonball Richards. I mean, I gotta believe he's dead, right? <laughs> Maybe it should have been Sharon getting blasted with a cannonball. <laughs> oh, man. Well, uh, quick little note here. This was uh, released on my birthday, March 17th, 1998. <laughs> uh, always. It, always. It was recorded at 5150 Studios, of course, Eddie's uh, personal little recording shed uh, somewhere in Hollywood, California. Uh, this fucker clocks in at 65 minutes and 22 seconds. Which, Too much. This is, yeah, I mean, anybody who's listened to this record has never walked away going, I just wanted more. Um, <laughs> this is this this is as long as two Roth era records. Those were typically 31 to 33 minutes. So. Yeah, I mean, I mean do, you know working, do, you, do you know what the working title of this album was? Too long? Uh, bloated as fuck. <laughs> bloated yeah. as fuck. Oh, but, but bloated bloated as foreign lawful carnal knowledge. But, uh, another uh, working oh. title for it was uh, Never Leave Them Wanting More. <laughs> uh, the other one was Nobody Will Make It Past Track 7. <laughs> <laughs> the other one... <laughs> The other one was, didn't like that? Wait till you hear the next one. Uh. Oh, no, how about, oh, oh, I didn't like that one? Stick with us. Trust me, it gets better. <laughs> you do that? Yeah. <laughs> Why don't we start getting into the record? It opens up with a weird little piano ballad featuring on keyboards the producer, uh, Mike Post. Uh, and the song. Oh, good. Mike Post. Love Mike Post in his production career. Yeah. Um, uh, let's play a little bit of the song, and then we'll talk about Mike Post. Why do you open with that for a Van Halen album? Well, you know, he wanted to do something different. Um, and, and I think sure. by the end of this, we'll kind of answer that question. Eddie was clearly trying to drive the ship one direction, and it was what it was. But uh, produced by Mike Post, I mean, with Eddie Van Halen, uh, Mike Post, of course, is a the known for all his famous production work. I'm sorry, he's known for writing the for Law and Order. <laughs> no, he didn't. He didn't yeah. do that. Yes, he did. Uh, he did. Are you kidding me? No, absolutely. He's done a lot of TV music, uh, theme music, and by theme music, I mean tones and things of that nature. If you've if you've seen the movie Forgetting Sarah Marshall, it is the uh, the protagonist's job in the movie, which is to basically play tones over oh yes yes exactly like 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 uh imagine people that were inspired by the jaws theme and they then they went to the law and order exactly mike mike has had a a successful career writing like i said the for law and order law and order svu the a-team ed white pd blue renegade rockford files going way back there one of by the way the best uh tv show theme song ever L.A. Law, Quantum Leap, Magnum P.I., and, of course, Hill Street Blues. So, yeah, uh, perfect guy to produce the uh, next phase of Van Halen in 1998. Of course, yeah. All those things sound like they fit perfectly together. (laughs) Wow, that is fucked up. Did 
Eddie watched Magnum PI a lot and look in the uh, and look at the the end credits and be like, I need that motherfucker to 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 do this album. Well, it was a combination of that Magnum PI and of course Rockford Files. Motherfucker, I need that guy to produce my fucking shit. Boom. You know, Eddie, Eddie did that soundtrack for some porno. I wonder if Mike, I do remember that. I wonder if Mike is like the uh, the, the the conduit the that connected him into the you know TV is close to porn, right? That has to be a meth-induced decision. Oh like, how, how do you decide? I, I, I've never even heard of it. But I remember it was like three instrumentals or some bullshit that he did, uh, right? Yeah, something like that. I mean, I, I don't listen to porn music anyway. I just... You, know, <laughs> you just mute it. Usually on mute when I watch porn, but... Uh, yeah. <laughs> wasted time, Eddie. Come on. Although maybe it was a paycheck. Who knows? But yeah, you, you mentioned meth. I don't know what the hell is going on with Eddie, but th- you you know how bad he, he ended up looking, I don't know, somewhat recently. Oh, my God. I, I think you can start to see that kind of weird jawline and fucked up teeth around this period and on the tour and everything that happened with it. Um, I mean, he was he was the original uh, corpse, corpse of Eddie. Yeah. I mean, he, he was the precursor. Yeah, he did not. Look, he you probably wouldn't notice, but looking back, you can kind of see... This is probably the first time he didn't look healthy. Come on. When you see those, that one picture where he's like, I don't know if it's a, he got arrested, but he has like those big meth teeth. Oh, yeah. No, I know what you're talking about, but I think it's years after this record. Oh, okay. What I'm okay, getting gotcha. at is this record looking back, and because when I was doing some research today, watching some of the videos, I'm like, okay, I didn't notice it at the time, but even looking at the pictures in the CD, you know, I'm like, I don't think he's, this. he's starting to look bad here. Um, right. I think he's kind of, cleaned his act up since i'm not really sure no but. he looks he looks a lot more healthy now in the, that last tour but this is probably kind of led into the whole sammy thing too and they, he's just zonked out of his fucking mind because he's you know anyway he is definitely a i mean it, there was an interview with eddie when he said he'd never heard appetite for destruction or any songs on it bullshit yeah i mean well who knows maybe he's i don't know one of those guys that just does burrow away and doesn't pay attention to shit, but what he's doing. I don't know. I mean, he is kind of a nut job. So, yeah, and he's not looking that well. Hold on a second. Yeah. Just give me a second, okay? All right. All right. I just got a call from Gary. We He, he wants to know when we're going to start talking about, I don't know, him in a little bit, I guess. Uh, <laughs> All right. Uh, we've, we've gotten this far, and we've barely talked about his involvement in the album. So let's get to track two, which is the lead single on the album.
and a half minutes long, man. Um, What's I like the song without you. What did you think? Hmm. I'm going to go with a zero out of five. Uh, but, but, but again, uh, since you like it, why don't you bring the positive first? I think it's just a, a, a pretty standard kind of Van Halen-y kind of vibe. Now, it it sounds different because you got Gary Sharon, you know, writing the, the lyrics and, and, and bringing a very Sharon attitude to it. It was a little different there, but it was a fun tune. I dug it. I don't know. I mean, I wouldn't even mind, you know, if, if, let's do a Van Halen tour with all three singers and and play a couple, couple tunes off of this. I'd be good with that. But this would be one of the ones I'd want to hear. I mean, there's some low points on here we're going to get to, but to me, this isn't one of them, other than the fact that it doesn't need to be six and a half minutes long. The single edit like the edited down version is five and a half minutes. Yeah, to me, this is kind of the whole thing about the album is... I think this is an entire album of right now. And and there were where right now was trying to be clever and all this stuff and deep and everything like that. And I just don't I just don't get I don't you know, this it's no little Jack Horny. <laughs> I would actually say one of the problems with this album is the Sharonist kind of approach to it. Um mm-hmm. there is just I don't know, you kinda of, kinda of has that kind of Boston what what you would think is funk in Boston kind of attitude at certain points. It's got that kind of kind of shouty extreme thing in the show tune uh, kind of approach to, at times. It, you don't have the the childish lyrics like you know um, Kid Ego or Mama Don't Want to Go to School Su- Today. Su- Susie wants an all day sucker. Yeah, but that would but, been, but that would fit a lot better here. But even extreme had kind of moved past that by this point. Sure, you yeah, know yeah, they were they were right. doing kind of deeper uh, songs as far as the lyrics. But I, I I think this almost like why Slash didn't want. Um, uh, uh, Sebastian Bach in Velvet Revolver. He felt it literally, literally just sounded like Guns N' Roses smashed with you know Skid Row. This uh-huh. does this song kind of is the first part where you go. This sounds like Extreme smashed with Van Halen. Yeah, I don't, I don't agree. I just think it just that the song and and uh, I do not hear Extreme in this at all. I hear, I hear just kind of like you just said the the fact that the lyrics came first. I would think that it was just a bunch of, of of instrumentals and stuff, and they just he just this guy just came in and threw a bunch of uh, random words on it, which we'll go into later. So I don't know. It just doesn't it doesn't click with me. That's awesome. It does for you. You also like tattoos. I don't know what that says. Tattoo, tattoo. Oh, hold on. We're getting to it. <laughs> All right. Apparently, we can't talk about David anymore without pissing off Gary. Just a white man. Just 
want. I think it's a nice, fun, catchy, just, just a really cool tune to play. Uh, and the one I want. You are the one I want. I don't want it. <laughs> you don't want any of it, do you? I, I really don't. No, I'm, I'm going to look at my scale here again. Yep. This is your poor man. You know, uh, I almost feel like going through this album and... Uh, uh, Hold on, hold on. You do have the classic extreme type lyrics that we were talking about, though, with Superman, he looking for Lois, Candyman, the Candyman can. <laughs> I, I guess. Uh, again, it just doesn't. Um, although at this point, too, I'm, I'm, I'm. Besides the instrumental, I'm two tracks deep, and there's not a single. Actually, Eddie, let's just go to. Let's just take Sharon out of it. There's not a riff or a solo or anything that's grabbed me at this point personally i think okay. you can say that about most of the record for me too um one of the complaints that i will get into we'll, we'll kind of touch on that in a little bit here i don't want to i don't want to step on the lead uh sure. but yeah I, I think uh the guitar playing is a little underwhelming at this point we and i think we might have figured out why t- when i touched on that this is where you're starting to see his physical appearance maybe start to to show some of the wear that he's uh putting on his own body yeah, I think that's that's what it is. Is like obviously we're both Kiss fans, so we can deal with some silly lyrics. But there, but there's not, there's just not a riff that just grabs me. I mean, even this, do you know what I'm saying? Like, it doesn't matter what what you're listening to at Van Halen. You can hum or remember these. Right now, I listened to this mm-hmm. album in full today. I cannot hum a single song on this album. So I suppose. And, I mean, at the same time, it's a little bit hypocritical. I do think there is some very good guitar playing on here. It just doesn't. It, it isn't that 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 thing you're talking about. You know. You know. There's some good guitar playing on Dream Theater albums too, but I still can't remember any of the songs. Okay, that's kind of my. That's that sounds kind of like thing, you understand so. what I'm saying. Then so yes, I do. I do. I'm sorry. Continue on. I don't mean to shit on all your your stuff here, but that's that's just where I'm at here. But uh, continue, please, Baco. Well, one I want is a song that just, I don't know, I, I'm not really sure what lyrically what he's trying to do here. He's just trying to talk about uh, how <laughs> everybody looking for something, wanting the piece of the pie, searching for the slice of heaven. I got to have mine. Yeah, you're the one I want, one I want. Anyway, the lyrics are like, poor man, he just wants a little. Rich man's wants a little bit more. So it, it's kind of empathetic. Is this, is this the one that's the fat man? Yes, I said that already. Uh, and so, like he's saying, he's empathetic to the poor person and kind of taking a shot at the rich guy. Superman just looking for Lois and salesman trying to sell you his soul. You know, So it's all this kind of back and forth kind of clever wordplay deal. I don't think it's too clever. Well, there's that. Uh, <laughs> Uh, probably a little more clever than you're giving it credit for, but yeah, I I think the the, the song is just fun, is all. It's like the overuse of man, like uh, on the Pearl Jam's the, the album they had Better Man and uh, Can't Find they're, they're Better both Man. They're both singles. There's there's two there's two there's two on the same goddamn album. Nothing man. Nothing That's man. It. Yeah. You know, it's just got it's just just too many too many men too many too many uses of the word man. It's like the, the vitology of Pearl Jam. They had both. Nothing Man and Better Man on the same album. It's too much. And then Lover Like a Man or Take It Like a Man or whatever it is on Adrenalize. Too much. Too many men. Yeah, well, it, it's rhyming a word with a word, which uh, apparently uh, Beyonce heard on this record and pretty much built an entire career out of. So, um, <laughs> Hold on. I can't talk about Beyonce? All right, Gary's getting pissed. Let's keep moving here. Um, yeah, to, to, to me, this 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 track sounds like musical haikus. 
Yeah, it, there we go. It's still kind of haikus are fun. Van Halen three haiku, take one. Really had to pee, recording Van Halen three, so I peed my pants. Brings us to track four. Look into your eyes That hint of death Hidden inside If I cannot hear you from afar Whisper in my ear Rest assured that You are near It's a song called From Afar. That is, this is basically just kind of a bloated, boring piece of shit. Uh, what do you think? I can't remember it. I just listened to it today, and I can't remember it. That's my review. You know what, before we carry on, let's talk a little bit about the tour, because they actually toured pretty extensively, but they never came anywhere near me. Uh, I looked at the tour dates today, and, uh, I mean, it was actually a pretty fun set list. No, I mean, I, I've only known about this actually through podcasts talking about the van halen fans that have seen this tour and they brought a ton of shit back it's kind of like the hot in the shade of van halen okay sort of, with a different yeah no it's a great mean? set list yeah do you mind if i just like go through it real quick yeah i mean you, you this realize, is the, the general set list obviously yeah yeah i mean there, there's a full uh, australia show you can see on youtube on this too and uh, you said you like that, right? I've never watched it. In it's full, a really fun watch. I mean, uh, for those who don't know, Michael Anthony actually sings um, "Somebody Get Me a Doctor," which is kind of cool. Oh, that's cool. I hated it yeah. the first time I saw it. Then I'm like, I don't know. Actually, it's kind of fun. But he's got that that octa. Yeah, he, he pretty much does that. He the actually that nails anyway. it. Here's the set list. So they brought a lot of stuff back. So it's they open with Unchained. Fun fact: uh, anytime anybody anywhere in the world says the word Unchained, Stephen Michael gets a boner. Bucko, come on, just give us a break. Hey, 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 one break coming up. You want me to continue? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Without you, uh, one I want. Uh, 
Main Street. Stephen Michael just came. <laughs> Sorry. When it's love. Fire in the hole. Why can't this be love? Romeo's delight. Drum solo. Dreams. Dance the night away. Feel your love tonight. Humans being, which I find very bizarre because that song just came out and is a twister song as Sammy Hagar. Somebody get me a doctor. Year to the day. Guitar solo. Right now, ain't talking about love, Panama and Jump. Actually, when I'm looking at this, this is not the greatest set list. <laughs> well, the one like I got five. has Josefina as uh, part of the encore, and uh, I'm the one as a closer. But um, if they do that, the but, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of with you in, in one sense. Although I like some of these songs, but in your end, those are five songs off of Van Halen 3 plus Humans Being. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's what I'm saying. I'm looking at this. I'm like, there are some rare tracks, like like Romeo's Delight, Love It, and stuff like that. But yeah, I'm at. Can I, can I just do a, a non sequitur real quick? Yeah, uh, go ahead. Okay. Have you ever heard my Mark Cicchini, uh impersonation of Three Sides of the Coin? No, let's hear it. <laughs> it's like he's here in the room with us. My eraser's well worn. Oh, I continue. I make a lot of mistakes. <laughs> Uh, you you have to talk with the the food in your mouth too. But oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> Keep going. Keep oh, going, Lord. Baco. Jesus Christ! The guy can't even fucking feed himself uh, off air. Uh, all right. <laughs> Actually, I think it's a decent set list. Just dump Unchained and throw in something else. You may break. One break coming up. But all right, uh, anyway, but but it is interesting that they brought back some 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 uh, some deep tracks. For this for this tour, yeah. But as but, far uh, as songs off the new record, I don't think they needed five. A uh, fire in the no. hole was on a soundtrack of some sort. Uh, shit, where are my notes here? Uh, it was on a movie. Uh, oh, it was on Lethal Weapon Four. Uh, of course, probably your favorite movie. Oh, easily. That's the best one. That one has. Uh, <laughs> I think it has. I think it has Chris Rock and Joe Pesci and uh, and some comic uh, uh, some, some hijinks. Plus, it has uh, Fire in the Hole. The next song on the album is Dirty Water Dog. Dirty Water Dog is kind of a political tune. It's kind of like just basically saying, like, I'm apolitical. Like, I'm not about parties and stuff. But uh, I don't know. It's kind of a fun tune. Yeah, that's what I want when I listen to Van Halen is politics. Well, but it's anti-politics politics. It doesn't matter. I don't want to think when I'm listening to Van Halen or Kiss or ACDC. I want to disconnect my brainstem and be like Tommy Lee listening to his favorite songs. You just, want your, want. You just want your toes in, your, in the sand and a drink in your hand? That's right. That's it. <laughs> you know That's what? All I want. 
I will tell you this. For all the eras of Van Halen, if you don't like the, the heavy lyrical stuff, that means you don't like the, the Sammy era crap either, by the way. Uh, I do think that is the peak, the pinnacle of Van Halen. Even it, Maybe even just that one line, kind of like how much I like the opening line of Come On and Love Me with Kiss. She had a drink in her hand. She had her toes in the sand. Oh, wow. <laughs> what a beautiful girl. Oh, yeah. That might epitomize what Van Halen is uh, to I me. Agree. And I don't think you're going to find it on Van Halen 3. As much as I might say this record's okay, uh, which, by the way, is as high as my endorsement has gotten so far. So, so you're saying, so you're saying the title of this should be Van Halen Three? Eh, not that bad. Yeah, that's all right. I, I can live with that. Or Van Halen Three <laughs> is good too. The next song really fucking sucks, and that's called Once. Yeah, you know the working title for this track was Nuns. <laughs> as in, like one less than once. <laughs> <laughs> That's right, Minnesota math people. We already it talked. Doesn't even score. We already talked that this record was way too long at whatever the sixty plus minutes, right? Well, sure. you, you could cut this fucker out, and that would trim her down to just under fifty minutes, fifty five or something like that. My God, uh, yeah, this song. I don't know. It's a little. Now we're getting too deep. I, at least "Dirty Water Dog" was kind of fun and goofy. This yeah. song is serious. I, but, but you got to think, is that, loose. They're, 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 Get your head out of your ass, Loose. Seriously, you're going from a band that, that that peaked at like 31 minutes usually on their, their first six albums, and you're expanding songs to double or triple, and and when we'll get to at the end, the normal length. They they got longer during the Hagar era too, so this is like a natural progression. A little bit, but nothing. No, they like. got significantly longer during the Hagar. Cobble Wobble is their longest song during during that. Era. Every record is over forty minutes uh, during the the Hagar era, and every record was longer than the one before it. Mm, and this is I longer than that. I, I'm not saying they're they're as bloated as this motherfucker. But the songs itself weren't as long as this. The longest song on uh, on fuck is maybe Pound Cake. Uh, yeah, I don't. I mean, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but they 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 did not have the quick hitters on any of the Van Van uh, Hager era stuff. Continue on as I. They're just all basically here. four minutes or longer. Okay, all right, keep going. And they're three minutes or less during Dave's era. <laughs> oh, but I, not not a, not a shot though. I mean, they're just different bands. But uh, I don't know. We've clearly covered once enough. Um, yes, the next please. song is uh, Fire in the Hole, which we talked a little bit about. This was yeah, featured uh, on the Lethal Weapon 4 soundtrack. Uh, that's, <laughs> as, that's as much as I have to talk about it. Uh, Joe Pesci, do you have anything to add? This is a song that is Lethal Weapon 4 worthy. Um, <laughs> I, I feel it's either Lethal Weapon 4 worthy or possibly Home Alone 3 worthy. Oh, this would have been great in Home Alone 3, man. It would have, right? I mean, come on. When they, they replaced Macaulay Culkin with some random kid and uh, 
and nobody else was from the original first. I mean, this would have been great. <laughs> Random kid, like they just drove by Neverland Ranch and grabbed the the first kid they saw screaming. So yeah, I've never seen that kid in anything uh, before or after it. And I've seen it for the first time just recently because it was uh, just on TV. So, uh, but Fire in the Hole was definitely the highlight of the movie. What is it? Isn't it called Fire in the Hole when like you have like a burning asshole? Well, fire hole, but. Yeah, when he says fire in the hole, he's basically, he ate way too many jalapeno poppers at the bowling alley the night before. I remember when this record came out, this was a song that people uh, actually said they liked. I never got it. Fucking sucks. As does the next song, uh, More Than Words. I mean, Josephina. I, again, don't remember it. Another it slim one, five ago. minutes, 42 seconds. Mm, yeah. Man, when you, when you one thing you like about a power ballad is pushing that six-minute mark. <laughs> you know, uh, you're not a fan of Bohemian Rhapsody. I know that. But but in, in you know, think of what they did in five and a half minutes. This one just bores you to fucking death in, the, in that Yeah, that I mean, to, to back up your point, if you were to ask me how long Bohemian Rhapsody was, I would have guessed eight minutes. <laughs> Exactly. The fact that it's only five and a half minutes is is a credit to them. (laughs) All right. I mean, steroid has more twists and turns than steroid to heaven. That's eight minutes. You know, it'll blow. Uh, By the way, real real quick, what is your opinion on the steroid to heaven? You know, I got sick of it just like everybody else did. But uh, about a year ago, I heard it on the radio uh, in my office, and I listened to the whole thing, and I enjoyed. It was a very pleasurable listen. I, I loved it. Uh, okay. I, I just needed about two decades away from it, uh, and now it's just a, it's a it's a really great song. Is that the bustle in the hedgerow? <laughs> I love the breakdown at the end too. It is that, one down, down the road. Do, 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 no, do, that's do, do. that's that that's what I'm saying. Like that song is very uh, uh uh it's it's fucking ponderous up to that point where the last two minutes is awesome. And uh, you, you've heard Kiss say that, that basically their Black Diamond is supposed to be the end of, of Stairway to Heaven. <laughs> uh, this is what they said. Like, that's basically what they did is they did the little right in the beginning. They got right to the fucking good part. Yeah, okay. Well, I like the whole song, but no, hold, hold on. Lighten up, man. Jesus. Okay, so Sharon's wondering why we're talking about Kiss now. And, uh,. How- <laughs> I it ma- is. It is I, law. We have to do it at least once per I, episode. I, I made the mistake. It's the same. We were talking about Led Zeppelin first, and then he got even more pissed and hung up on me. All anyway, right. So enough. I don't think he's going to call back anymore. Um, but yeah, I'm sure I, he will. I have a feeling he will. <laughs> Josephina sucks. Up next, we have Year to the Day.
So anybody looking for a more trimmed down, you know, a little shorter compressed song are going to be happy to see this fucker clocks in at eight minutes and 34 seconds. Another turd. We got a, this is a great one, two, three shit punch here. Uh, what do you got, Luz? It really is. I mean, the uh, it's appropriately named because it does go on for a year and a day, I believe. Oh, my Lord. And I think it's still it, playing. It is, I think the first time I'm, yeah. I'm not done listening to it for the first time. <laughs> this is uh, it's gone on for 100,000 years. I would say <laughs> with no stage rap in the middle. Oh, no, no Peter Chris drum solo. Nope. This song kind of just summarizes the album for me, which is just pompous uh, from the beginning piano to this. It just, it just does not work for me. It's anti, I think if, like I'm saying, if this was a different band and somebody who just wants to hear a, a lot of noodling and, and riffs, you can't remember. Um, in other words, dream theater fans, then this would be a perfect album for you. This is probably a good point for me to kind of talk a little bit about some of the problems I have with the record overall. Um, Gary Sharon's vocals are not recorded very well on this, and that goes back to hiring the guy who does to produce your record. You know, I mean, this, this just isn't like Alex Van Halen's drums sound a little bit flat compared to uh, a typical Van Halen record. And, and, and he's kind of a good drummer. The one thing that cuts through everything is Eddie's guitar, which, if anything, are probably a little too hot. Now, it's not the worst sounding album I've ever heard. I'm just saying Sharon's vocals, there's a lot of uh, effect thrown on it at times. There's just a lot of compression, and, and, and just it doesn't pop. It just it, It's not EQ'd right or something like that. It just doesn't cut through like a, a lead vocal should. Gary, we're talking about you right now, so please don't call in the middle of this. But in, in general, <laughs> I only think he sounds like Sammy. I think in this year, year in a day or whatever the hell this song is called, song and like maybe one or two others, the rest of them, it just sounds like Gary Sharon of, of Extreme. And... Um, I will tell you this, for as much hate as I've thrown at this album, I think it's just simply just not the right fit. The, the lyrics are odd. It just doesn't merge right, but I do like Gary's vocals overall. I just don't like how they fit in this album. Do you think they're recorded good? I don't think it's that. I just think it's just bad songs. It's not great nothing... is kind of more I'm at. It's like it could be... I a, guess. It, it's actually a, a lower level of quality than you would expect from a Van Halen record is kind of how I'm putting it. There's definitely worse recordings out there. One thing we haven't touched on at this point, too, is this is the beginning of Eddie nudging Michael Anthony out of the band. Michael's backup vocals are just non-existent on the album. And he, Interesting! And he, That's what's missing. And he only played bass on three tunes. These are great facts to know. Maybe that is one of the reasons that it, that it seems odd, because that is a distinct part of the Van Halen so sound. I think you make a great point there. Yeah, because, I mean, as much as I can make fun of Michael Anthony being the luckiest son of a bitch on the planet because he's not that talented of a bass player, he's actually a very good singer. And he actually is the right bass player for Van Halen. He just kind of fits that pocket. Almost like Peter Chris in his prime in the 70s. Like, he's really not that great of a drummer, but boy, he really fits what Kiss does. And no. it sounds really different when somebody tries to, like, when a really good drummer tries to play Peter Chris parts, it's like listening to Bruce Kulick try to play Ace Freely. It's just weird. Uh, I hear what you're saying. Yeah. And yeah I so, never had an issue with this bass. I thought it was it was good. I guess you're right. This is the right fit for the band. It sounded good on all the Ted Templeton production. What, what do you think of Ted Templeton to produce this? I, I do not like Ted Templeton as a producer, but uh, I, 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 he's okay. But Blasphemy. 
Well, come on. the hard pan stuff is garbage. Uh, but uh, the, I, you love that, the bullet. You love Bullet Boys. Dave he Lowe. didn't do it on there. Um, but uh, he also didn't do it on Fifty One Fifty. But his Van Halen production is almost all that pro- with the David LaRoth era. I think he kind of dumped it at, uh, kind of moved away from it with uh, Nineteen Eighty Four. Eighty Four. Yeah, right. Let me tell you that the fact that Van Halen Three is called Van Halen Three is telling because. Extreme, I like their their first album. I like Pornography. Is I saying it right? Pornography. Pornography. And I like the album Waiting for the Punchline. Their worst album is Three Sides to Every Story. That is when they got really extreme with their lyrics. They were over the the top. They were trying to be uh, 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 very clever and all that stuff, and it just did not work. That is the extreme that's merged. I think a Three Sides of Every Story, Van Halen 3 are almost like the same thing. It just does not work for me. Well, let me get back to Michael Anthony being kind of nudged out at this point. The reason Michael Anthony fits so well in Van Halen, I think, is because, in my opinion, great bands, and by great I mean wide mass appeal or, or just being good at, at what people want to hear, is you can't have a virtuoso at every position, you know. So you got basically, uh, you know, Alex Van Halen on drums and Eddie, basically elite level musicians at those parts, and then you got Dave, who's just a great frontman. But there's no way nobody's gonna, you know, say he's one of the most amazing, you know, singers of all time. And Michael Anthony kind of being that pocket bass player. Now you want to have that crazy bass player? Well, then you have Primus. You know what I mean? Or you want uh, a virtuoso singer like? Uh, Jeff Tate. Well, Jeff Tate probably wouldn't work that great with Van Halen. You know what I'm saying? So you kind of need that balance of like just elite and solid. If you get everybody just really fucking amazing, it doesn't really work out that well. And I'll uh, back you up on that too. That's why you have Cliff Williams playing one note in ACDC um, on top of Angus Young, right? Yeah, you know and I mean? uh, Bobby Dahl playing one note uh, on every Poison <laughs> song. Wait, there's nobody any good in Poison. I'm sorry. Uh, th- I made the opposite point there. Bad, bad yeah, example, bad yeah. example. Yeah. But no, I, I, totally get, I totally get what you're saying because otherwise, that what you described is the exact reason why winery dogs suck. Yeah, we, we actually talked about it, didn't it, where it's just like... Yeah, that everybody's going doing all their thing and trying to be the, the 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 greatest musician at the same time, and it turns into it sounds like just really shitty jazz or oh, whatever yeah. like that, or or jazz. Yeah, or it sounds like jazz. Oh <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, it's really shitty jazz or jazz. You know what? I, as much as I, I I started this episode going, I like this record. I'm really ready to wrap this fucker up. Uh, it sounded like you were, kind of liked it. Uh, Pretty well, but it sounds like you like three songs. If if I could check the tape, does that sound about right? If I was to make a, a playlist, that's about how many would make it. But uh, I can put the record on and let it play. I can too. I just won't remember it. Uh, <laughs> uh, the next track in the record is another uh, instrumental called "Primary," and it, it's almost as if Eddie didn't realize '98 was not an election year. I guess it was a midterm, but there's a lot of because like that song. Uh, Dirty Water Dog, uh, and then of course the 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 next track on the record, Ballot or the Bullet, just seems like uh, there's a lot oof, of political stuff going one. on here, you know. Yeah, that one is not oof. That is probably my my uh, most hated song on it. That one I do remember just because I, I don't I don't like it so much. It blows goats, bro. It blows. <laughs> <laughs> Clocking in at a meager five minutes and forty two seconds, by the way. 
The album rolls out fast, though, with six minutes and four seconds on the last song. Are you ever so silent when she wanted to talk? Or couldn't keep quiet when she needed a hug? Come on, too strong when a little's too much. How many? say I and for the first time in the Van Halen catalog we hear Eddie Van Halen sing lead vocal yeah and your thoughts on that I think it's kind of endearing as a fan I, I look he's not he's not a great singer he almost has like a drunk Roger Waters vibe to him but it's kind of cute it's almost like it sounds to me I don't know like again I don't know that it needs to be on the record but as a fan it was it was an enjoyable listen in the sense of like I've I've been a fan of Eddie's work his whole life, it's almost like he's at home playing a piano and his kids sit next to him and he's like, "Oh, many say I." Let's say we're on the Voice, and uh, you know Adam <laughs> Levine is there and and everything, and you got Christina Aguilera whoever's there right now, and and uh, you've got Bruce Kulick and Eddie Van <laughs> doing lead vocals. <laughs> Who's turning their chair first? Oh my God! Uh, I'm gonna go Adam Levine for Bruce Kulick, and uh, Christina Aguilera is gonna spin around just because I want to see your boobs. I walk alone is endearing, but Jesus, those vocals! They're throwing Bruce a bone on that one, I think. But uh, it's like you know what? You, you you show up for work on time. You clock in. You clock out. <laughs> You know, here's your. Group. You wrote this. You wrote this entire album. Here's your Emmy. We'll let you sing it. Yeah, here you go. Uh, Enjoy. No, I, I, I think it's it's. I listened to, again. I listened to it at the entire record today, and this was actually. I was I was expecting to cringe when I heard it because it's been a while since I've listened to the record, but uh, I actually I don't know. I found it like I said, kind of endearing. It was kind of neat. Uh, I thought the Gary Sharon harmonies sucked, and I think it's about. What did I say it was six minutes and four seconds? It's about five minutes and four seconds too long. The entire album? No, this song. Oh. <laughs> okay, yeah. Uh, even if we were to cut this down to an EP, I don't think I would like it. <laughs> I don't know what else to say, man. I, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm a lot more um, balanced with, with everything, not to use the title of another Van Halen album, but just... You know, it makes balance seem like Led Zeppelin 2. I would have liked to have seen a follow-up record. This seemed, you know, like they were just trying to do something to be Van Halen, which is weird because pretty much since this point, uh, Eddie Van Halen has done things on his own timeline. And maybe maybe this is the, the reason why. Who knows? But I would have liked to... This this almost got treated the way Motley Crue treated uh, the '94 record. Much better record, by the way. Yeah, I was but, to say, but that one's actually good. But I, I'm just saying, like, they didn't really even try to to follow it up. I, I think this might have been uh, a misguided attempt at how to do a Van Halen record. And if they would have kind of rectified a couple things on the next album, it, I would have been fun to hear if they would have been able to do that. As I'm saying. 
I can see that. I mean, this one was a clusterfuck, but the next one could have been, uh, you know, just a cluster. Well, if they if they brought Michael Anthony back, which of course they wouldn't, let him play bass, which Eddie wouldn't, let him sing, which they wouldn't, and uh, actually write the songs in the in the, in the traditional Van Halen method, I think Gary Sharon could actually uh, put together a decent thing. But you know, I also think Gary's head is in a very serious place at this point. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, also, Cocaine is a motherfucker. I think I think we're talking meth with with Eddie, don't you think? Do you really think that's true or not? Yeah, I mean, people who uh, who do coke, uh, they either die or look great. People who people who do meth look like Eddie Van Halen. <laughs> okay, uh, point taken. Uh, well, there you have it, uh, uh, fans, friends, and listeners of the show. Uh, Van Halen three. Uh, the uh, fantastic release from Van Halen, <laughs> 1998. Uh, any closing thoughts, Luis? Yeah, I, I just want to think that over time, I think you'll see this is our lowest listened to uh, episode. <laughs> yeah, let's look back here. We could probably tell pretty quick. but uh, <laughs> uh, I think we've, we've killed all momentum we built in 2018. <laughs> yeah, we, we put a bullet in it. So we, we took a... a we, we took all the momentum from 2018 and put it in a cannonball and shot it into our own guts. Let us know if you want us to follow this up with Bruce Willis's amazing album, Return to Bruno, or Chris Gaines. Yeah, what's the Chris Gaines album called? Does it have a, is it a self-titled? I think it's called Soul Patch. <laughs> Rock's not dead. It's just a kid. God damn it, Sharon!
Rocco? Yeah. It's called the music business. <laughs> business. The music business. God damn, these chips are great. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more fantasy points. 